Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo. Uh. Yo. Uh. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we about to party. We bout to party, unrestricted, just got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Welcome to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. Aubrey Edwards here with my special guest co-host, Alex Eberhentes. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing fantastic. Big shout out to Tony Schiavone. Hope he's doing great on the beach or whatever company he's buying uh, or whatever he may be doing today. So thanks for not being here, Tony. Love you. He's being a lazy ass and staying home from work and never probably reading Batman never, comics. Never. Yeah, whatever. Oh, that he is, though. That he definitely is. Either way, he is missing out on an incredible, incredible interview today. I'm very happy and very proud to have Mr. William Regal on the podcast today. Hello. How are you, sir? Hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You, you, you're already step, you, you set me up to fail straight away. <laughs> don't, don't. No, you'll be great. You'll be great. I, I've got through a long series, whatever amount of years that I've been in this, I was always taught, don't build yourself up too far because you haven't got too far to fall. And you just set me up right up there saying we've got an incredible guest. It's like, oh, dear, because you don't know. See, there you go. You're not building yourself up. I'm building you up. So still, technically, you're following the rules. So it's totally fine. This is good. And so let me just call myself out at the beginning of this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, whoever's watching, if I start leaking a little, it's because it's very warm in the room that I'm in. I'm in one of my lizard rooms in my house. So it's minimum of 80 degrees in here. And I can't put a fan on because it will affect the audio on this. So we just sat here roasting. Well, I've just walked in, so it will, over time, I will start to look a little disheveled. (laughs) Well, lizards, how many lizards do you have? At the moment, I only have three. Only. Well, well, that's all I need. I used to have a lot of huge collection. Unfortunately, they, they all had very long lives and they sort of passed away a few years ago. So... The ones I have now are all, well, it's two of them that are two and a half, be coming on three this year. And I've got a baby water monitor that, because I didn't think I was in wrestling anymore from January, I was going to take a minimum of a year off. A friend of mine breeds water monitors, which is the second biggest lizard in the world. I've got a freshly hatched baby that's probably going to grow to six feet and about 70 or 80 pounds. What? Yes. And, uh, Actually, would you like a quick look at one of yes. them? Yes. 
Absolutely. Excuse me for just zooming in that. Oh, no, this is great. Just when you think Lord William Regal can't be any more fascinating. <laughs> right? Okay, we're in the first like two minutes of this podcast. We're already getting lizard content. So look at this guy. Whoa. This is Tommy, but he's shedding, so he doesn't look as nice as he normally looks. But oh, he's, he's camera uh, shy. Look. Hello. Oh my god. Hello. That is awesome. I would say he's gonna be four times this size by the time he's finished. What? Oh my gosh. He'll be up to four and a half feet and about 20 pounds by the time he's finished. And at the moment, he's just this big. Oh, my God. Holy cow. He's, he's mad as a brush, honestly. He's absolutely <laughs> mental. They've had much, this is called a tegu, a red, red and white tegu. And he, hello, buddy, hello. It doesn't, he, they're, they're, like, they're, they're like cats. The water monitor I've got are like dogs. They will come and just, play with it. These are like cats, really like cats. They come to you when they just want a head stroke and then they leave. Wow. That's Tommy. That's my male. And I'll quickly grab Bobby, which is my female, and she's the exact opposite. She's just a sweet and wants her. Oh, I love it. This is amazing. Those that are only listening, you definitely have to tune into the uh, video version because this is, this is incredible. I love this. Who would have thought we'd, you know, I was expecting for a, an amazing conversation about wrestling, but this is just fascinating. This is the female Bobby, who is a oh. tribrid of a red tegu, a black and white tegu, and a blue tegu. They call ice tegus. And if you see, she's got a peach belly. She's beautiful. She is, yeah. If you can see that, she's got a little turquoise spot on her head. Oh, look at that. She's just absolutely stunning. This, this, and she, again, she's getting, she's actually just come out of hibernation. She hibernates for four months a year. And so she'll be shedding her skin soon and her skin will be beautiful. But at the moment, it's a little rough and it just started to come out of me, babe. Okay. So I'll put you back. That is so cool. AEW Unrestricted has become Animal Planet with William Regal. <laughs> this is great. I, I could spend several hours here just talking oh my about God. this. This is so cool. Wow. Okay, so we should probably talk about wrestling because we've talked about this for so, 10 yeah. minutes. <laughs> so, so let's talk about your debut at Revolution. It was a huge surprise. I remember standing in the go position and then just kind of seeing you come up and about to bust through the side ramp. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, the William Regal's here. No big deal. This is insane. How did that debut sort of come together? Very quickly. I was checked out. As you get older, and you hear all these things when you're younger, right, about how time flies when you get old, it may only have been a couple of months, but once I was no longer needed in my former line of work, I've done nothing but do this for a living since I was 16, full-time, apart from a couple of years off with different things that have gone on health-wise and a few injuries, I've had nothing but wrestling. So I... I just was, that's it. I've had a great run and I'm going to maybe take at least a year off, except for, I was thinking about this time, I'll start looking for the odd thing in the UK just so I can go and see my family and go home for, for a bit. And then I get a call off Daniel Bryan, Bryan Anderson. I, 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 the reason I can say that is because I came up with Daniel Bryan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was my idea. Uh, but Brian Daniels, 
it sounded very exciting just to go back and be talent, basically. As soon as I walked in the door, everybody seems to be asking me to do other things or, or wanting, oh, you can do this. Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I've just, <laughs> I've just, I've just, you know, a lot of that, but the last 10 years, I've just done nothing but doing all, everything. It'd be nice to just be, just go out and be me and not have to, you know, I'm going to do things any, you know, I can't help, but the, the reason I ended up with the job I had before was, be, and I know Brian and I know all these people is because I will always be at the ring showing people stuff. And I got to know a lot of people over a lot of years because people did that for me in Britain. Once I, they realized I wasn't going anywhere. I couldn't have had any better wrestlers take me under the wing and, and teach me and, and show me and put me into places and, and look after. And I just felt that that's part of my, if I don't do that, I'm, I'm not leaving this job in the right way. Okay, so Brian, I was checked out. Brian called me, that sounds like fun, exciting. I love being around young talent who want to do this. That's how, And it turned into a job for me with with my former employees, it was a great, I had a great 10 years there of being able to do that. A lot of other things, but that was the main thing was being around a group of talent because I would never like the, to be a day when there isn't a wrestling business. Mm. Although I've worked for other companies, I never just worked for a company. I worked for wrestling because I would help anybody that came that was interested. I wouldn't never force myself, you know, I'm not going to, if, but if you come to me, well, maybe try this, maybe try that, or I don't know this, but you can maybe go and ask them because they, they do more what you do or whatever it is. I would hate it to be a time like when I was younger because there was no way to get into this wrestling business when I started. I never heard of a wrestling school till, t till I'd, I'd come to America in Britain. You had to find a wrestler to get you in somehow, or you were an amateur wrestler, which is very localized in England, and certainly not where I lived. And so I had to find a way in, and then you got to stay in it. It was a different day and age, and no need to go into that kind of stuff that you had to go through to get into it. But it was, I just wanted to be a, a wrestling business. I've always done that. So Brian called me, sounded interesting. I start watching. All of a sudden, I've got, this was two weeks before I turned up. Oh, it's Brian and John. Somebody else who had from day one. It's funny because my first day on the job and the last job that I had, I went down to Florida when it was FCW and I, I always watch what's going on. And I'd seen John and I'd seen him doing promos. He'd only just got there. He'd only just got to FCW and, and, and nobody knew who he was. Because he had, he had meant, I, I, I didn't get him the gig there. I started doing that right after this day, this particular day. But the first day we turned up, he was sat in the corner. There was just like a showcase on. Everybody had a match. Not, not everybody, but the people that had been there for so long had a match in the promo. And I said, whoever was running it at the time said, is there anybody looking at us? myself and, 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 and Paul uh, is there anybody that you would like to see and I said can we see John Moxley please and there was a lot of people going, who, who, who? and they all looked now <laughs> and he was he was just sat in the corner in a denim jacket I mean just sat there the way he is and firstly he just walked slowly through the crowd and climbed in the ring I'm thinking 
because it's my again my first day doing this. I thought I hope he's as good as that I've seen him be. Number one, because otherwise I'm going to look pretty. But there's something that, and he started. He had a one minute promo and he started talking. And within ten seconds, I thought, thank goodness for that. He's as good as I thought he was. <laughs> In twenty seconds, I have a thing where I can just scan everything. And I'm looking around, and everybody in the place was like that. It, it crushed everybody's spirits because whatever they'd just done, this had gone out the water. I looked at, at Triple H, and he just looked at me, and he just went, hmm. meaning he got goosebumps, right? The following week, this it used to take about six months to get on TV there by the time you got there because it was a small little thing at the time. You got there and you got people to know you and, and, and whatever else. It took a while. It took a while anyway. The following week, I was, I'd been doing commentary down there. So the following week, we taped three shows. He was on the first show doing a promo. He was on the, the second show. This is all in one night. The second show, beating somebody in about two minutes. And he was on the third show doing a promo. And from then onwards, he was going on the road on the main roster. And it, 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 so we have that connection. And why he was there, we, you know, we had a lot of things going, which we no need to get into. But so there's always been that connection. So when I found out it was the two of them, can't be any better than, you know, I'm going to, this is the day for me to turn up and have a look what's going on and then get get myself interjected and, 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 and go from there because we've, uh, I'm, I'm watching two people that I think the world of, both are very different things, Brian and, and, don't ever anybody ever think that Junk is not an incredible wrestler because that's not his style. He's in, he knows what he's doing. He, he's, a, he's a great technical wrestling that gets thrown about word, but he's, he knows what he's doing. He's a very good wrestler, and, and, and with, with that different streak, and so I've got two people who I, the one person who is both better than me, but people that you know I've got. A bit of whatever I've got going on, but I've also got a bit of a wicked streak and and and, and all these other things. That was how it sort of came about. I'm only getting to turn up once a week, and I'm still not. I don't know what I'm doing there. <laughs> I, I'm like, well, I can't believe this is working out. It's just it's organically turned into what this incredible opportunity is. But also, I'm trying to. I'm, I feel. You know, 53, but I'm walking into a new company. I've just come from another company and I'm just trying to watch everything and, and see all this young talent and my brain's going as far as you don't have to do that anymore. That's not your job, your job, but still can't help it. You know, getting like last week was the, when people all wanted to talk to me and like, okay, can you just give me a bit of time? Cause I'm trying to, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm not feeling like I fit in at, at first. It is a weird thing, right? It, it's a, cause that's me naturally. I'm just quiet. And so, I, you know, if I have to, you know, assert myself into a situation, I can do very quickly. It's just like that. But in my real life, I'm just keep quiet, you know, still tongue keeps it wise head. You know, that's how I've got through life with this. It's just until I get to know people. But I know a lot of people there, but there's also a lot going on because everybody's doing their own thing. Always. So I don't, I don't want to go, you know, I'm just, hello, how are you doing? And I, I'm just sort of trying to fit in. So 
Last week was the first week where I'm starting to feel a bit comfortable and, 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 and certainly not because everybody's been as welcoming as possible, but I was just a bit overwhelmed. And the reason being, although this is where we started, anybody who knows me or will ever spend time with me, we might start off here and you think I'm gone off the track, but we usually end up exactly where I want it to be. You, you were asking about, about whatever you started with, with the question is that, I've got to get comfortable and then start figuring out more. But last week I felt comfortable. And in that two months that I was off, when I say I checked out of wrestling, I checked out of wrestling. My wrestling brain hasn't caught up yet. I still don't. I felt comfortable last week. I don't feel like my wrestling brain's in full working order yet where I can just go, okay, boom, boom, boom. But it's not my job either. But that's, the first few weeks was go out and do my bit and then just watch. And I'm still sort of here. Well, I started off about here because I really, really checked out. The first night was just a, a blur of, you know, an incredible experience. But as much as what was going on, I was still, I just did my thing and got out. I, this, whatever else is going on in my brain hasn't, I still haven't caught up. So it's all, it's slowly getting there, but the main thing is I'm looking around going, it's just the energy. I love the energy, and I love I love when people want to actually do this. And, and there's such a mixture of different styles and different, which I've always believed in, because I came from Britain. And people seem to think there's a British style. There isn't. There's, there's lots of different British styles. It's just that most people only watch certain one. You know, if you go back, TV wrestling in Britain finished in 1988. You know, I watched it from growing. There's a lot of different styles. There was always an influence of different countries coming into there. When I was traveling the world from 20 to 24, once I started going outside of Britain, I had to adapt my style to fit into all kinds of different styles. There was a very strict weight classes in Britain from lightweight, lightweight, middleweight, heavy middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight, all had a different style. Some of them combined together. So, I love a mixture of wrestling. Wrestling should be a three-ring circus, and it should be a bit for everybody. Every fan likes it. If you ask any fan, that they all have a different idea of what they like. And so if you can put a show together with a bit of everything for everybody, and as long as there's effort there and everybody's trying, then I think you're on a winner, and that seems to be the, the formula that you've, you've latched onto with this company. And, and I, I'm just watching it all and, People might think, well, I, because they think of me doing whatever style I did. Well, that wasn't the original thing I wanted to be, was I wanted to be a light heavyweight or a heavy middleweight because they moved up. I just don't have the skill set for it. Huh. I don't, I'm not that athletic and I ended up going to six foot three and getting as big as I got. And so I went the more traditional heavyweight route and then added my own things over. I wanted to be Rollerball Rocco and I wanted to be Marty Jones and I wanted to be Fit Finn, young Fit Finley. Like when you feel going back and watched him when he was 19 and then 20, because they were just, and, and, and Davy Boy and Dynamite and that, that those, when they were, they were traditional British style when they started, when they were teenagers, but then they went to Calgary and came back with a different style or then they wrestled, had to wrestle Rocco and people. And it just made this fast paced, Hard hitting style. Well, that's what I want to do. I just don't have the skills for it. <laughs> I can do the hard hitting stuff. I, I can do a little spurt of 
done the but I can't do a lot of it. So I had to quite find my place in this world. You know, I started off young and I went through a lot of different styles because I was, you know, five foot eleven when I started and 160 pounds. So I learned the more old counts, old, lightweight, middleweight kind of style and then grew through the ranks, as it were. But by the time I was 20, I was a full-blown heavyweight, which is the physical style that I did. This is, this is an absolutely incredible conversation. I could sit here and talk for hours, but we have to go to a quick break and then we'll pick right back up. And we are back here on AEW Unrestricted, Alex Abrahantes, Aubrey Edwards, and we have the honor to be talking to Lord William Regal. This is just Ooh. such a pleasure. We could be listening to I don't know about that love, I, that love thing <laughs> anymore. I've disassociated myself with all those royals and stuff. All kinds of no good. I, I don't want it. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> Well, listen, it is so awesome to have an opportunity to chat with you because I know that when you arrived, we can all feel it oh, backstage. Yeah. We were just so excited. It was just such a thrill to have someone like you who's been through it all, seen it all. And if there's one word that I can think of when it comes to William Regal, it's respect. Yes. We all have this amazing respect Ooh. for everything that you've done. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that word. Really? Really? No, I think it gets thrown around too easily and I also right this is just my opinion I think you can have you can admire people and have admiration for them how can you respect somebody that you don't know inside and out mm. that's just my opinion that word respect gets thrown around and I, 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 it's admiration for certain things it, uh, to respect somebody you need to know them inside and out sure you know I'm I'm not Shy of saying I'm an old rogue, I'll put me on, you know what I mean? So don't, and, and I know what you mean. It's just that's my thing when people start throwing that about. It's, it's, it's given away too easy. Well, you've certainly earned earned respect in this business for sure. Whatever it is, if, if, if that's the word now that respect, but when I say, if I say I respect somebody, I, I don't say it. And I say, it's, it's a, I know them inside and out it, because otherwise, if they've got, a bit of something suspect going on. I, I can't, you know, <laughs> you've got to, you've got to, but I, I get what you mean. And I'm sorry, just, it's just one of those words that uh, it means, means a lot more than people use it for. I get what you're saying, Alec. So I, that's me. That's just, that's an old man talk. Well, just know that you are uh, very loved in the wrestling business and uh, have earned every ounce of our appreciation. How about that? Now that I can live with. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to ask you about the Blackpool Combat Club because this is so exciting. Obviously, with the union of Moxley and Danielson and you, but we all want to know, do you have eyes on other talent here in AEW that perhaps you would love to coach, mentor, be a part of this club? I think the world wants to know the answer to this question because all of us have these thoughts in our mind like, oh, this would be such a great fit, but we'd love to hear from you directly regarding that. We've just talked about it. I like to see young talent the work hard. So anybody who's got the work ethic, the, the people that have come my way over the years, and, and I said this on the show the other way and I meant it. it, it this is, it's not about me mentoring people, me training people. It, it, it's with, with Brian Danielson, it wasn't a, people shouldn't be saying, oh, I did this for him. 
he did that for me. It's completely opposite way around. I was fortunate that he came into my life, not the other way around. I, he came into my life, and and when we used to train together, because we had to train, it was part of what we were doing at the time. When I went off on my own into another ring, he was the one that was there. Not the only one, but he was the one, and, and, and more so than anybody. There's just a couple of people. And we, we used to stay there for hours and hours and hours. That's when you really start learning. So if I see people with that, that really want to do this, and if this upsets people, then it, it upsets them. I mean, again, I'm, 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 I'm me. If you want to do this on the level that he does it or that I used to try to do it, doesn't matter what I was going through, this isn't a job or this isn't a play-out thing. This is a lifestyle. And you've got to dedicate yourself to it. Unfortunately, a lot of things suffer because of that. But that's the kind of, if I see people with, when I say suffer for it, I mean, you, you pay for it. Right? It's, there's going to be a, a lot of, you don't get that good without going through a lot of 100 million different situations of heartache and pain. And there's an old British term called getting scurfed, which it means having your head rubbed along the mat and the elbows dr driven into your eye sockets and pulling the skin off your face and rubbing their basic scurf and scurf somebody's you've got to go through because when you go through that then it's a different level of appreciation for for our industry and our sport so if there's people around that i think have got that in them and and now it's not so much me it's just because i've i'm fortunate enough to be a part of this group it's whether Brian thinks that and it's whether John thinks that because we all have pretty much the same mindset. If the right people come along, then yes, absolutely. If, if they're willing to take that, they're going to have to, whatever, whatever hard work they've put in before, they're going to have to put in a lot more and a lot more suffering to get on the other side of that to be a lot better professional wrestler. I haven't been in this business for very long, but that's very, like the obvious thing that I see is the, the people that really, really want it are the ones that work hard for it. And regardless of what trials and tribulations they go through, like they, they earn it. It's one of the reasons I admire you, <laughs> to use your word, is that you've recognized that, you've lived it yourself, and it's something that you recognize in other people. One of the things I've loved simply from just watching you is seeing you with our younger talent ringside before a show and talking to them and them learning from you, sitting under your, your learning tree, to borrow a phrase, it's just, it's wonderful. And I love that you're here with us because the amount of knowledge you have is going to be incredible, just selfishly speaking. Can I just say that all I've got is time and experience and, and bad experience and dying a thousand deaths trying to learn different things. When you see me with talent, I'm not telling them stuff what to do. I, I am, I'm showing them stuff. I want to learn from them. I want to learn from their ex because I'm very open-minded. There's a lot of old wrestlers that sort of think that back in my day, well, I've never had that attitude. And the people that brought me into this, the real people that brought me into this, they never had that attitude. It was always about as long as you worked hard, you do the right thing, open-minded to what whatever's going on, whatever country I went to, whatever style. Just making it work. So I'm, I'm listening to them as much as they're listening to me. Every one of us has a completely different experience. 
I saw a, and if you haven't seen it, I'd watch it, even if you don't like the subject, which I saw a documentary on, on the Bee Gees. It's on HBO. Obviously, part of my life is just that they're in the background, right? Growing up, it's not, not now, but when I was a child, and you'd always hear about, and right at the very beginning of that, there's, it shows the one brother, Barry, I believe, but he's overlooking the bay in, in, in Miami where he lives. And he said, at my age, I've come to, to understand one thing. There is no truth. There's no such thing as truth. Because if my brothers were here, they'd all have a different story about our story. Because we all see things from a different way of looking at things, right? That's when I'm sat with people, that's what I'm taking in their experiences. And it's not, I know better. I'm trying to expand my thought process on how we see, we all see this in a different way. Oh, I'm, never I'm hoping that they're going to give me an idea to go away and think about, oh, well, all these things that I've done just because I've happened to be around a long time, let me see if I can take their different view of it and make something out of that. So it's a, it's a complete room. You see us sat around. I might show them certain things, but it's me more as much me trying to learn from them as them, whatever they think they're learning from me. I'm, I'm learning as much from them. That, that's the interesting bit to me because I'm, I'm constantly trying to open my mind to, to make this better or to, to understand a, a, a different group of, of, of talent from different areas and different ages. So, and how we can all just keep this going. I hate the thought there isn't a wrestling business for a young person to be able to be in. And unless we all think together about how we can keep up in or changing it or making our audience have a better experience one day and eventually, because everything does, if you, if you let it stagnate, it will go. And I would hate, even if it's in 100 years, I would hate there not to be a wrestling business for people to have as much of a life as I got out of it. And speaking of your amazing career and kind of the longevity that you've had, I've always kind of wanted to know personally, are there certain matches that will always stick out to you? Do you have a favorite opponent or favorite perhaps moment of being in the ring that really sticks out to you? Favorite opponent was a British wrestler called Terry Rudge, R-U-D-G-E. Best wrestler I ever wrestled. If you ask Fit Finley, he'll tell you the same. People think me and Fit Finley or whatever they think we are. We both say he was the best wrestler we ever wrestled. And he was a huge influence in my career from 19 onwards. I was so lucky to to be around him and so lucky to wrestle him a couple of hundred times from being that age to I was 24. We went a lot around the world together. Favorite match? would be June the 6th, I believe it was 1990, in Brighton, England, against my best friend, Robbie Brookside. Mm. We tagged together, but we also used to wrestle each other a lot because in Eng- England, uh, it was very different. They used to have a lot of just competitive wrestling matches, which weren't, there wasn't any villains or blue eyes, as we used to call them. I know you call them baby faces over here. I've never used the word heel either. I don't like that. It's not that I don't like it. It's just I still stick to the traditional British thing of it. But I'm a villain. When I'm at work, I'm a villain. I'm not a heel. I'm a villain. Gentleman villain, but I'm a villain. (laughs) And I have a different mindset. 
right? There you go. But it used to be blue eyes. We used to call baby faces blue eyes. But they used to put blue eye matches on together, but you would increase the intensity because they were always rounds. And we had a, a match. We'd wrestled each other hundreds of times. And, and he's as much to do with Robbie was two years older than me. We started in the same place. He went on to work for a different company after a, a short time and had an incredible schooling, hard schooling, believe me, really got, got put through it. But then he came back to work for the company that I met him when I was 18. He came back to work for the company where he started for a week. And that was the first week I wrestled him. In the few years previous, I'd been getting lots and lots of reps because we used to work so many times a, a week in, like in the summer seasons, especially. And then I'd been retrained by Britain's best wrestler, but all this wrestling stuff I knew. This guy called Marty Jones, who'd been trained from six years old by Billy Robinson. So I have this lineage <laughs> passed on to me, sort of thing. But the fellas I was wrestling didn't really do that. They, they had their I was just a young lad and they had a thing that I wrestled Robbie for a week and we had to have these rest, competitive wrestling matches. But it gave me so much confidence about the wrestling in a week. And that was early on. That was about June or July of 1986. And so he's as much to do with me being here as anybody because of the confidence he gave me as a wrestler, not just to be a, another person on the card. And then we ended up tagging together not long after that, the end of that year. But also we, we wrestled each other a lot, hundreds of times. Well, this particular match in Brighton on June the 6th, 1990, we went out and there was a lot of old wrestlers there. For whatever reason, they were bringing them into the ring and introducing them. It was like a celebration. Of them. And they're hard to please. And at the end of it, we had a six, five minute round wrestling match with no, it was no fall. So a 30 minute straight through match, apart from the breaks. And we got a full stand innovation that included all these jaded old wrestlers who <laughs> don't want to say anything good about anybody. And everybody stood up and I've got, I've still got the, the pro, I've got it on my phone, the picture of it, the program of it, but everybody stood up and give us a standing ovation. So that was when I felt. I've got this wrestling thing down now but where I can go out and just wrestle. And unfortunately, we wrestle each other hundreds and hundreds of times. There's only two matches that you can ever see. One of them is just a, an hour match in, in a gym that we just wrestled each other because I didn't, in WCW, we came over in 1993 for a couple of weeks and we had a match in the gym. And the other one is at a time when <laughs> if you ever see that, you're expecting something, it's okay. It's not the best of matches, and that's my fault because I stopped off on the way there to see my parents. My cousin took me out, and we ended up going out, and he bought me a huge big meal. And I got back to my parents about 4 o'clock, and my mom had cooked me another great big meal. Oh, and then, no. I can't say no to mom. <laughs> I, I used, I used, we couldn't say no, right? I got to the show, and I was on first with Robbie, and I am absolutely like, I never used to have a rule, never eat after three o'clock. Sure. And I'm bloated. We get through a six round match if it's on YouTube somewhere, but it's not, oh. it's, it's like the worst quality. It's still okay for the time, you know, it holds up, but it's not the kind of match we normally had because I was absolutely gasping for air because I was so bloated. Oh and I was God. always, me and him could go, you know, we could always go, but I was like, sure. I was just stuffed with food. So those are the, my, my favorite opponent. 
and my favourite match. There we go. That's answered that question. Unfortunately, you've got to listen to me waffle on with all these things because I've had all these different things that people are expecting me to say match against Ric Flair. Or so. Yeah, they were all incredible things, but there's those matches in my early days meant, meant the world to me. And Terry Rudge, still the best. Uh, you know, I, I tell people to watch Terry because if you ever watch Terry and another man called Pete Roberts, they took me under their wing. And if you watch them too, you will see my style. Mm. They were the, the international, what they used to call international heavyweights. They used to travel all over the world all the time, never very rarely wrestled in England because they gave credibility to any wrestling company they wrestled. And they took me in, and that's what I did from 20 to 24. They put me into these different places around the world because I've learned that style, and that style brought me to America, and then I adapted it into the... You won't understand what a pantomime villain is, but British people will. But a Disney villain, I, I became a sort of a character with all the comedy influences that I've had from watching a lot of comedy, old British comedies, and just these little things. And another gentleman called Sinai Sid Cooper, who was an incredible wrestler, but also an incredible comedic villain. I added all these different elements to make the character of Lord Stephen and. It was just me adapting that and finding what worked, what what didn't, and whatever. And now I just switch in and out of a million different things, and it, it just added layers and layers. And 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 then I'd go off in more of a serious route, and different things, and uh, and then it just became me. I just switch in and out of whatever I am now, and it, I don't even I couldn't even pin I can pinpoint certain things, <laughs> but you know, after so many years, it's just you, you just become this whatever you become, right. It's funny people think that like oh this is you know this is your important match but the, it's always the memorable ones that stick out to us. We're talking to William Regal on AEW Unrestricted. Coming up, we have a couple fan questions. This will get Ooh. interesting. You're listening to AEW Unrestricted. Aubrey and Alex here with William Regal, one of the more recent signings to All Elite Wrestling, and just a, a wealth of knowledge and history, and it's it's been incredible sitting and chatting and hearing so much but we've got a huge list of fan questions uh from twitter um, i'm sure we'll only get through a couple yeah, can i say something yes ladies and gentlemen i was forced to have a twitter account by my old company <laughs> <laughs> until recently they had that full access to it i apologize if i don't answer back i don't read anything about myself i just look at the few things that i follow and occasionally, if it's about old British wrestling or something that somebody tells me, oh, there's, it tickles my sense of humor, I may answer it. But I don't go on there a lot. And it's usually, I, in the last few months, it's it's just been to put a presence on there and sell a few T-shirts or something or let them know I'm doing something. I apologize if I don't. Pl- I, I'm a really, I mean, that. I used to try to keep up with it, but then my job became whatever. I restrict myself to a very short time of day that I look at that. So if I if you send me something and I'm, I'm not answer it, I do feel bad because I'm I, I pride myself on my manners and not answering some of these questions rude, right? But I just don't look at the, the things that I I just quickly go through what the few I cut down years ago on how many people. It's mostly British comedians and jugglers and a few reptile things and then a few wrestling things with, with gifts to, to give me ideas to watch old matches and stuff. Oh, I love it. I love it. No need to apologize. Can I just say that my career 
for anybody interested in or don't ever waste a second of anybody who's watching this as a fan don't waste a second ever trying to discuss my career I know what I am but I will say it, I was just me and I plodded along and, and my career looks so much better in gifts than it ever did in, in, in reality because they just put the good bits so just watch the gifts don't try and watch all 20 30 minute boring wrestling matches just watch the, the, the stuff when I'm throwing people around and you'll probably think a lot more of I love it. <laughs> All right. Going to start with a super deep question here. Oh. Cholula asks, your hair looks so healthy. Uh, what is your hair care routine? Great question. Mm, yes, it, it is. It's, it's outrageous, isn't it, at my age? It's just flowing locks, you know. Do you notice the sugar whips on the side there now? That I, I've had them put in specially. They're not gray. They're <laughs> sugar whips. That's impressive. Yes. I use some... Uh, I forget the name of the company. I don't know if I can even say that, if I can remember it, but it's some type of apple cider vinegar organic shampoo. I just hmm. wash it, and then I get a tiny little bit of organic coconut oil, and I go like that, and that's it. That's all you need? That's fantastic. And that's it, and that's how it's there. And it either looks good or it doesn't, and that's that's it. It always looks good. Indeed. So moving on, Jake Chavez here wants to know, and this is a really good one. What's your favorite wrestling angle that you've ever been a part of? Mm. I've been fortunate enough. My previous employers would put me in some incredible angles. If you go back and watch them as actual stories, you just see little bits of them. Sometimes they don't, play, but some very wonderful stories. Mm. Do you know, that's, that, that's a tough one. It's a mixed bag of emotions for me. The King of the Ring thing that I did when I was, oh, yeah. because it got cut short on, on, we won't even go into that because that's another story. But and again, that was going a bit dark, mm. but it was for a short amount of time that that was going for, for a couple of months. That, that was a complete, can I say my old name's company's name? Oh, absolutely. Of course. So when I was in the WWE and, and, and I'm going to say, I don't care if I get fired because this had nothing but great time there. And all the people have different stories. I, I had an incredible run there and I, I had the best of it. And I was always putting some really great things. The Eugene story, if you actually watch that week by week and, and the actual things that we did was an incredible story. Mm -hmm. But it, if you just watch bits of it, it doesn't quite, but you actually watch the storyline play out. It, it was done incredibly well. We got to show our acting chops a bit in that. The King of the Ring thing, I, got, I had an idea of completely changing up something about myself. And once I got to WWE, I was either doing serious stuff or I was always on live events, but I was on TV sometimes, not sometimes, but if I was, it was either serious, a little bit of serious stuff or and very, I got some incredible entertaining things, which I thrive on. Yes. <laughs> but this was a very serious role. And no need to get into why I got suspended. I still don't really know. I have no reason to lie about that. It was like some really, mm. what, really? And, and if it'd probably been a different day and age and wasn't what was going, what had happened near, near to that time, it wouldn't have even come up. But when I was out of it, within a week of me being home, I thought, I'm glad I got out of that because it, I was going down a dark path with that because I was studying a lot of 
the world's dictators and I was trying to get into a real different mindset and it, it drags you down. Mm-hmm. To really put your heart and soul into that, which I did, it was starting to get very dark or I was making it very dark by studying a lot of not nice people and trying to just get influ- the influence to, to pull off whatever. Because I really didn't know. I was just going, whatever I was given, I was just going with it. It wasn't my... I came up with a look and everything, but I was always very happy to just do whatever I was asked to do. Um, I, I was never one for going to try and get stuff. But what you need, yeah, it's done. And they trusted me, and I had, I had great trust with the WWE to just do that. But once I went down that path, I started to get, I, I need to take this, because I've done so much comedy and whatever else, and I was getting down a real dark path. So that's a very memorable one, because I did get suspended. But I also think it was a good thing because I, I didn't want to go back to a, a dark place that I was going through health and health issues anyway at the time. But I didn't want to go to a place that I'd been to in the in the nineties that, that would have lost probably lost me and my family. And because it was a very, I really got into that, and I always feel a bit weird when you hear those actors and they talk about getting into these roles and method acting. Yeah, I was really I was sitting at home and it was like. I was into this dark kind of a place. So um, that's a very memorable role for me, for the, for the wrong reasons, to be honest. It's memorable. That's that's really the thing that matters most, is that it's memorable to you. I think I think that's another good thing about that. A lot of the things that I did, they never outrun the course. Talking about my old employees, but I had no illusions when I went back in 2000. Mr. McMahon said to me, look, when I've got, because he knew my range, he said, when I've got something good for you, you'll be in it. If not, you'll always be busy on live events because he knew I could do whatever. Wow. What a compliment. If you go back and look, so I was under no illusions. I never wanted to, I know you're supposed to say you want to be world champion. I had no interest in that. Right? I've been wrestling, I was 32 or 31 or what, 32, whatever I went there. I wanted to be home with my family. I just wanted to work whatever 160, 180 days a year. I wanted to be with my family. I spent days before I got to America when I used to, I was away for nine months once. Once when I lived in England, the year before I came to America, I was away from my family for nine months wow. in so many different countries because that was a wrestler's life. And, you know, I wanted to come home and I didn't want to be, if you're a world champion for that company, you're working 500 days a year and 30 hours a day. And I didn't want that. I, I, I was very content with, give me a good role, I'll come out of it, but I'll, I'll still keep doing my show. So I was very content with whatever I, I got given. I'm, and I just made it work. Obviously, the Tajiri stuff was fun. Everything, everything I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was. Everything I did was, if you go back and look at them as bodies of work, that they, they, they were probably, I'm not being world champion, but there's probably a lot of world champions you can't remember. That's true. But most people seem to remember me, but it's, they don't come up and say, oh, you were such and such. It's about the, the entertaining stuff that I did that seemed to, to resonate with people. If you can connect to, again, we talked about audiences. Mm-hmm. Some people like the wrestling. Some people are really into when I did the occasional serious match. But most of the people that come up when I'm autograph signings and that, they don't mention wrestling. It's about the character stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what seemed to resonate with people because I did so much of it. So, so great. I, I appreciate you spending your time with us. We're going to have to have you on again, especially once Tony Schiavone's back because I know you two have so much shared history 
And I can't wait to just sit here and listen to the stories that you two share. So thank you again for being here. Is that it? Um, I took everybody's time up for the, the questions when I had two questions out there. Oh, yeah. No, it's the people. It'll give people a reason to tune back in. That's right. Uh, but you, you have found out how to get luscious hair. Uh, that's the most important thing. Hey, that's that. <laughs> that's a bonus. <laughs> we were, And we learned a lot about lizards, too. It was a fascinating hour. I, I, there was a lot of things today I learned that I did not know I was going to learn. Anyway, thank you for turning into AEW Unrestricted. William Regal is on Twitter, but as you know, uh, not really going to hear a lot from him unless it's about lizards or other TV shows he's watching, British comedians. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not going to say, hey, go follow him. Uh, you should just listen to this podcast and watch AEW Dynamite every Wednesday and AEW Rampage every Friday, Dark Elevation on Mondays and Dark on Tuesday. This is Aubrey Edwards and Alex Abrahentis filling in for Tony Schiavone along with William Regal. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted.